0: Colossians chapter 2, we are in our Advent series that we started last uh, Sunday morning. If you don't have a Bible, there's one provided for you in the pew in front of you that you can use. Um, the, Excuse me, the text from Colossians chapter 2 is not, not up on the screen, and so I'd love for you to, to turn to it so you can see it. We put the series that we were on, put away the toys on hold until January, to be able to celebrate Advent. And last week I went into great detail about Advent and if you were not here or you don't know what Advent means, uh, I'd encourage you to get a copy of that so that you can kind of catch up or so you can fill in the blanks. Uh, I had people that told me that they grew up in a church that celebrated Advent and didn't know most of what I shared with them uh, last week. And so sometimes as Christians we get really good at going through routine and tradition and we have no idea why we're doing it, we just do it. And then here's the scary part. We start thinking that our tradition or routine is biblical. Or, I mean, in the Bible, meaning it's truth. Can I tell you something? Nothing about our Christmas celebrations of trees and lights and ornaments and wreaths and finds its home in the Scripture. Advent is not something outlined in Scripture. These are all traditions of the church. Okay? All of them. I know some of you hate me now. I am a lover of all things Christmas. I have an elf on the shelf in my home. I taught my children to believe in Santa Claus. Hate me or love me. That's what I did. But I also teach them the truth of what Christmas is about for us. Why we celebrate it. Jesus didn't come in December, on December 25th, but he came, and we use this season to remember that coming. And so, the traditions are okay, as long as the traditions don't become the focus. So, st- let's stop fighting about keeping Christ in Christmas. <laughs> it's, he doesn't care. Just keep him in every day, and then he'll be in Christmas. Okay? So... We're in this, the Advent season, and so we're, we're studying. Last week we talked about the, the season of waiting, and today we're going to talk about the season of mystery. The word Advent, if you notice it was in the song we sang today, it's just the word come, coming, Advent. And so we remember his first coming, we look forward to his second coming. It's celebrated four Sundays prior to the Christmas day, Christmas season. And so each day, one of the candles of the Advent wreath is lit. Last week we lit the first one, today we light the first two. And then we'll go around and we'll light all the candles and then on Christmas Eve we'll light the one in the center. And because Christ was the light, the church began to use the the Advent wreath signifying the light of the world that was coming, the anticipation of his coming, and the fullness of his coming and it began to build. And so we celebrate that first coming and it ends on Christmas Eve. The The culmination of Advent ends on Christmas Eve. And the celebration of Christmas then begins. The 12 days of Christmas is not a song. It's how many days the church celebrated Christmas, 12 days. So the The true love that gave us gifts is God our Father. And as you study what the partridge and the partridge in a pear tree really is all about, you understand it's symbolic of Jesus. He gave us Jesus. And each of the things, you're gonna have to Google it. Someone said, are you gonna do the rest of the 12 days of Christmas? No, Google it. And you'll be able to find them all and you'll be able to know what each of them represent and mean. And it's really cool, but uh, it's, it's just a tradition. Okay, that's all it is. It's just a tradition. And so we celebrate Christmas for 12 days, and that ends on January the 5th. And January 6th is the Feast of Epiphany. That celebrates the coming of the wise men. And that is significant because it reminds us that Jesus did not just come for people of Israel. He came for the whole world. His first coming involved people that were not a part of Israel coming to worship him. That's symbolic of what Jesus said. Go to all the world and preach the gospel. So you are not allowed to take down your Christmas decorations until after January the 6th. Right, Janet? That's true. Because that's epiphany. And if you take them down before then, you hate Christmas. (laughs) Just kidding. But at least for this year, do it. Okay, just buy into it. And uh, and help us celebrate that. And so, Advent calendars, Advent wreaths, all of this comes out of that. Maybe you had an Advent calendar growing up as a child and didn't celebrate Advent, and you just thought it was a piece of chocolate every day for the month of December. It was like a countdown. It's about anticipating. Anticipating his first coming, and anticipating his second coming. And so, all of that is good, and it's traditional, and it's lovely, and I love all of it. But I love Jesus more. And I don't want to miss him in the midst of all of this. So today, it's the season of mystery. And in Colossians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul writing to this church, look at what he says, starting in verse number 1. We're actually going to read all the way through 15. I know that your program says 10, but we're going to go five more verses. I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself, in him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Not once saved, always saved. You must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ, God lives, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human body. So you are complete through your union with Christ who is the head over every ruler and authority. Verse 11. When you came to Christ, You were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Father, thank you again for your word. I pray that you'd give us the ability to, to understand your mysterious plan hidden for us in Christ Jesus in a fuller way today and every day until he returns. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Paul says God has a mysterious plan I don't know if you like the word mystery or mysterious or not. I love shows and books where you're watching it and you're trying to figure out what's going on. You're trying to figure out who did it. You're trying to figure out what was done. I loved the game Clue. I went to a, a murder mystery party one time with some, some sinners In town. They invited me to it. And uh, I went there and at times I wondered if I should have been there, but I was there because they invited me and I went. And so it was all a dinner that was served and we all had a part we had to act out and we were acting out these parts and we had to try to guess who'd done it. I loved it. There are Christian versions of that where it's a Bible story that goes along with it and you try to figure out what Bible story and who did it and all that. And it's really cool. And so uh, play the Christian version if you want. But I love stuff like that. And so the idea of God having a mysterious plan that's hidden and I got to figure it out, love that idea. Maybe you're not like me and maybe this just annoys you or frustrates you or you think, oh, this is going to be work. I don't know. But here's what Paul says. He starts talking about some of these things that are in God's word that are not fully explainable. And he gives us them. He says, Christ is the fullness of God in bodily form. Explain that to me. Yeah, go ahead. Help me, as a human being, understand how in the world God comes as a human. It's a mystery. I mean, it's just not explainable. Then he says that there's a spiritual circumcision that takes place when we put our faith in Christ. He cuts away our sinful nature. He says, before you put faith in Christ, you have no ability whatsoever to stop sinning on your own strength. But when you accept Christ by faith, somehow there's a spiritual cutting that takes place and it empowers us to break from the sinful nature. I no longer have to do what the sinful nature desires because it's been broken by my faith in Christ. I didn't see anything happen. I didn't even feel anything happen. But it happened. It's a mystery. He says somehow we're buried with Christ in baptism and we're raised to new life. I don't understand that. Peter talks about it too. I I know that baptism is being obedient to God and being baptized and coming. I know, I don't believe it's essential for salvation. I don't believe that we need to do it. I think it's the first act of obedience that we follow when when we come to faith in Christ. And somehow something spiritually significant happens in baptism. And people come and they say, well, explain it to me. I can't. It's a mystery. The heavens are not going to open and things are not going to descend on you. You may not even feel anything. You may not cry or have any emotion whatsoever, but something is happening. It's a mystery. He disarmed spiritual rulers and he publicly shamed them by the cross. There's a passage of scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that kind of fits with this. It says, no, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began, but the rulers of this world, remember those spiritual forces that were disarmed? They did not understand it. If they had, they would not have crucified the glorious Lord. In other words, God says, I had a mystery. I love him. And I hid it from everybody. And the the rulers of this world didn't know about my mystery. And they crucified Jesus, which was my mystery. And it just sealed the deal. I publicly shamed them, humiliated, disarmed them in every way by what they thought was a victory. Oh, how the tables have turned. Don't you love it? That's a mystery. And it was hidden for us before the foundation of the earth. And this passage goes on to say that no one understands the mind of God, but... God is revealing it to us by his spirit. See, all of these things, these mysteries that are hidden in the word of God are not hidden from us. They are hidden for us. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we seek them out and we understand them and we grow in them. And tomorrow you will learn things that you did not know today. It's the glorious plan of God. Here's the thing. The devil is smarter than you are and he is smarter than I am absolutely way smarter than us okay because he he has seen way more than we have seen if he did not understand the mystery you and I are not going to understand the mystery apart from the Holy Spirit And so people without the Spirit do not understand these mysteries. They first have to come to faith in what Christ did. And the Scripture says, use the law. Use the law as a a way to show people you've broken God's law. And the only hope you have to be right with God is through the sacrifice Christ made for us. That's what telling people the gospel is all about. It's that simple. Ray Comfort does know what he's talking about. Other mysteries, Ephesians chapter five, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Don't you wish that just happened on day one? (laughs) I mean, those of you married, you know what I'm talking about. We're not united into one. (laughs) I mean, before God we are, but we still have two brains, two ways of thinking, two ways of looking at things. And sometimes that causes friction and tension. Oh, come on, don't act like you don't all fight. I just said this week, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in other people's homes when they fight, just to hear what they fight about, you know? And so, but I don't want you on my wall, so I, I just want you on, I just want to be on your wall. But it's a mystery. We don't understand how this happens. It's a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Oh, because we look around sometimes and we're like, I don't think that person in Christ are one. The same way you and your husband or you and your wife aren't one. Yet, physically, all the way. But as you keep walking in Christ, did I say you? As you keep walking with Christ, here let me step back into my roots. As yins keep walking with Christ, you become one. And it's the same way in the church. And so sometimes we look at other people in the church and we're like, I don't think they're one with Christ. They are, it's a mystery. For some, it's a greater mystery than for others. Romans chapter 11, one more mystery. You were by nature. You by nature were a branch cut from a wild olive tree. So if God was willing to do something contrary to nature by grafting you into his cultivated tree, he will be far more eager to graft the original branches back into the tree where they belong. Paul's talking about Israel. They were pushed aside because they rejected the Messiah for now, and new branches, us Gentiles, brought into the kingdom of God. I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. I mean, don't look at the nation of Israel and feel proud. You got nothing to be proud of. You were grafted in only by the grace of God. And when they come back into the kingdom, it's the fullness of the kingdom. So we ought to be praying for them to have their eyes open to see the Messiah so they can come back in. It's a great mystery. These mysteries are throughout the word of God. I challenge you, look up the word mystery in the Bible and see how many times it's there. There are things hidden in the word of God that need to be understood by us, that need to be sought out by us. This is like a game of hide and seek only god is not making it impossible he's putting something where we can see it and reach for it and as we reach for that he's going to show us the next step it's almost like a game of you know you say i want to know step 7 lord who am i supposed to marry what job am i supposed to have what decision am i i need i need number 7 please he's like i can't start with 7 i mean if you just trust me just take number 1 seek it out get it look i'll show you number 2 and then i'll show you number 3 but lord i want 7 and we don't know what number it is. We just know we want his answer for that one. And he's like, "I, I you're asking me, you're doing, I, I'm, I'm getting you there, I'm getting you there. I'm getting you there, trust me, I'm taking you there. But God, I need seven today. And it's a mystery. And we have to keep seeking it out. Paul tells us, in Christ Jesus lie hidden All the treasures, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge so that we will not be led astray or deceived, so that our lives will be built on the foundation of Christ more and more. So why are they hidden? Wouldn't it be easier just to put them out on the table where we can just see them all? No. Number one, they can be hidden because they're spiritually discerned so that they're hidden from his enemies. Oh yeah, he told us that. And how many of you share all of your secrets with everybody? No, you don't. You pick and choose. Who can be trusted with what I'm about to share? You mean God only share? Yeah, the secrets of the Lord are with those who fear him. God has favorites? No, but God understands if I give you this one before you're ready to have that one, it will ruin you. And so if you don't trust me and start seeking out step at a time, step at a time what I show you, and trust, well, why did they get that one first? Eh, like kids at Christmas, why did they get the bigger present? Trust me. What did Jesus say when Peter said, what about him? Okay, I'm gonna be crucified. I'm gonna be suffering for you. What about him? What about the disciple you love? What about your favorite? Don't you hear, Peter? And Jesus said, that's no concern of you. Walk your walk. Seek out the things that are hidden in his word. And sometimes what we need to understand here has to come before that one. It's like math. You know, they don't just randomly teach us math. I mean, they don't start with like calculus. What do they do? They teach you how to add and subtract first. Why do we ever have to do this? Well, because when you do this, then we can teach you the rest. Well, do we have to do this all our lives? No, only till you get it. And once you get it and get a passing grade, questionable whether you've gotten it or not, but once you get a passing grade, you get to move on and you get something else. That's the the hidden things in God's word. And you can attend church for a 100 years and stay on step one. If you are not seeking out the things in his word and applying them to your life, you're not going on to step two and three. And you're, I I don't understand why I don't understand how God works. I don't understand how, you're still on step one. In Hebrews chapter six, Paul says, I would love to teach you more, but you still need milk. You're not ready for solid food. I can't go on to other things because you won't even learn the things that, that are basic in the Christian faith. God does not have favorites. Everything hidden is for all of us. Hebrews chapter 11 says, if you're going to come to God, you have to have faith that he is a rewarder who, of those who diligently seek him. What if, what if, let me ask this, you knew that every day you read the Bible, $20 would appear in the back of the Bible. Every day, every time. How many of us would read our Bibles more And those of you without your hands up are not telling the truth. Because we would. If we were guaranteed $20 would appear in the Bible every time, we would definitely find a way to read it every single day. What if the reward isn't money? What if the very things that you're seeking are found in the diligent seeking of him? But you won't turn off the television. But you won't cut activities out of your life so that you can diligently seek him. And then you want to yell at him for not revealing to you what he has clearly made available to us. We're like a little toddler screaming to our daddy who's hiding in hide and seek, even though he's hiding in plain sight for us to see. We've looked for 10 seconds, and then we're like, ah! Are you catching me? Okay, good. Proverbs chapter two says, my child, listen to what I say. Treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom. Concentrate on understanding. I mean, these are not just show up in church and, you know, try, try not to fall asleep. If you fall asleep, stand up. If you fall asleep, do something to engage yourself. I mean, I try to be a little animated up here to help you, but do something to help yourself. If you fall asleep reading the Bible, read it standing up. Don't let yourself fall asleep. Look at what it says. Treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom. Concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight. Ask for understanding. Search for them as you would silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord and you will gain knowledge of God. I don't care if so-and-so prophesied over you about what was gonna happen in your life. God is under no obligation to fulfill that prophecy in your life if you will not fulfill your job of diligently seeking him. We run to these prophets because we need to get a word from the Lord because we won't strengthen ourselves in the Lord and just learn to let him speak to us himself. And then we get mad when that word doesn't come to pass, but it didn't come to pass because we didn't do anything with it, we just sat by and hoped it would come to pass. In Hebrews chapter six, the writer says, our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts, that's important. Keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. How do you make certain that what you hope for will come true? You keep on loving others. Peter says, Husbands, if you mistreat your wives, your prayers are hindered. If you're not loving your wife like you're supposed to, your prayers are hindered. What you hope for is not going to come true. Until you get your relationships where they need to be, if you're dishonoring your parents, all bets are off. This is how it works. If we don't walk in right relationship with one another, hope all you want. It's not going to come. Slandering others grieves the Holy Spirit. He will not make himself at home in us if that's the life we choose. If we're dishonoring our president, if we're dishonoring our leaders, if we're dishonoring our boss, if we're dishonoring any other human being, devaluing them, What we hope for is not gonna come to pass. Why? Because God has revealed in his word how to treat people. He showed us how to treat people. Please stand if you are worthy of Jesus dying on a cross for you. No, not one of us. So why do we make other people become worthy before we treat them with love? It ought not be that way. Look at what he goes on to say. If we do this, then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Becoming spiritually dull and indifferent is the natural progress of life. Unless you act in a way contrary, you will become spiritually dull and indifferent. If you don't dig into the word, if you don't start treating people the way that you should, if you don't do these things in the scripture and live it out in your daily life, you will become spiritually dull and indifferent. That's the path. But that's not what you were created for. Paul goes on in this passage and later Paul, the author, whoever, says, I believe there's so much better for you. There's things so much better for you. I believe it. I believe there are things hidden in God's word that are going to give the answers to every one of you in this room. I believe it. And we will become like those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith. Their faith. Belief and obedience, that's what faith is. I believe it, I obey it, faith. And because of their endurance, I believe it, I obey it. I believe it, I obey it, all the way to the end. I will die believing and obeying. That's endurance. Paul says at the beginning of this passage, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and the church at Laodicea. That word agonize is an interesting word He gives us two churches, and he says all the other believers, too, that haven't even met me. I agonize over them. Here's what the word agonize means. It means to engage in intense struggle involving physical or non-physical force against strong opposition, to struggle, to fight. Paul says there are a lot of these people I haven't even met yet, but I am agonizing over these churches. What's he talking about? Well, we get a glimpse of it in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I've worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, faced death again and again, five different times with Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, once I spent the whole night and day adrift at sea, I've traveled on many long journeys, i faced danger from rivers and robbers, I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles, i faced danger in cities, in the deserts, on the seas, i faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but they're not, I've worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights, I've been hungry and thirsty i've gone without food i've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm then besides all this i have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches i agonize i'm in a fight i'm in a fight and it's hard on my physical body i'm in a fight and it's hard on my my spirit Because what I recognize that there is stuff hidden for you in the word of God and I agonize day and night. I face all of these persecutions and I don't want you to feel sorry for me. I want you to understand that I do them because I care about you. Because I want you to come to the full knowledge of what Christ has for you. He tells us in Ephesians chapter 6 that we put on God's armor because we understand we don't fight against flesh and blood enemies, we fight against the rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Paul says, I'm in agony over these two churches and all believers. But the interesting thing is, he uses the term Laodicea. I don't know if you know what else the Bible says about Laodicea, but I do. And so the moment I read this as I was preparing this message, I knew exactly what happened to Laodicea. And uh, it kind of breaks my heart because here's the Apostle Paul and he has agonized over this church. All that he went through to help this church come to a place where they understood what was theirs in Christ Jesus. And here's what the book of Revelation says about them. This is the word of Jesus Written to the church in Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3. I know all the things you do. You're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit. I will vomit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And at the end of that letter, he says, I correct and I discipline everyone that I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Paul agonized over this church. But here's the thing, mom and dad can agonize over you. I can agonize over you. Other believers can agonize over you. But only you can choose to diligently set your heart to seek the Lord. Only you can, can diligently learn to say, I'm not, I refuse to be discouraged. I, I feel depressed. I feel like I could just sit here and cry all day long, but I refuse to be discouraged. It's a choice. Oh, trust me. How do I know? I know it's a choice, and I know it's a hard choice to make but we diligently set our hearts on seeking the Lord and just maintaining that relationship with him. We are either going to be lazy or we are going to be diligent. There is no middle ground. And if we choose to be lazy, if we choose to try to coast instead of press in or press on like the Apostle Paul says, if we don't choose to seek out these hidden mysteries, we will become indifferent. Jesus told parables of those who had one one thing and they just tried to keep it hidden. I just want to maintain this one thing. I don't I don't really want to work hard with it. I don't really want to I just want to maintain. I, so when my master returns, I'll say, "Here's what you gave me. I have I didn't lose any of it." And every time Jesus said, "You wicked, lazy servant." That's not a Merry Christmas. And so we can fill our houses with all these beautiful trimmings and we can make a sign that says, I am keeping Christ in Christmas and yet miss all the mysteries hidden in his word and not really be living a life diligently seeking after him. Jesus said in Mark chapter 7 to the Pharisees that you, you nullify the commandments of God for your own tradition you're more concerned about having your own traditions than you are about diligently seeking the word to know me. How sad that would be if Jesus came back and we had up our tree and our lights and all these things and we were keeping Christ in Christmas and we were found wanting because we had become lazy and indifferent. But I believe there are better things in store for us Like the Apostle Paul writes in Hebrews chapter 6. I believe it. And if we will seek them out. And so I know, are you still here? Go like this really quick. He tells us a couple warnings. One, stay knit together by strong ties of love. As you start seeking out these hidden things in the word of God, stay tied together by strong ties of love. Read it. Colossians chapter 2, he says to do it. This is so, so, so important. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. Remember husbands, how we're supposed to treat our wives? Remember kids, how we're supposed to treat our parents? Remember parents, how we're supposed to treat our children? Remember how we're supposed to love and serve and honor one another above ourselves? Stay rooted and grounded, and don't think that just because you have all of these special mysteries and revelations about who God is, that you can walk on people, that you can just walk away from people. because that's what happens. We start getting these mysteries, these knowledges, and we exalt ourselves over people who don't understand what we understand. And so we walk away. I can just, you know, I I don't need to be tied down to one church. I just go to all the churches wherever I want to go today. That's what I want to do. This is a I have seen it for twenty years plus years. This is the church I grew up in. I watched people had who had to leave the church because they had a special revelation. You didn't get anything. All of that special revelation is nothing if you don't join arm-in-arm with other broken believers and walk it out. And you know what that does? It keeps us grounded. Because that special knowledge has a tendency to to puff us up and lift us up. And when you have to walk with someone who's broken arm-in-arm, it keeps you grounded. So just stick it out. I promise you, you go to another church... It won't take long, and that one will be broken too. In fact, the day you show up. Some of you will catch that later. The second thing, this is it. He just gives us these two warnings. Stay rooted and grounded in Christ. If your new hidden knowledge negates some of the knowledge you already had about Christ, uh uh-uh. Paul always says, don't let people deceive you. Listen to what I first taught you. The simple message of the cross. Don't negate it. We have got to learn that the Bible is a complete book. And if you just go through the scripture and randomly pick out your favorites or your hand-picked truth, For the day, you are going to be in error. You have got to understand the mysteries of Christ. You've gotta diligently study the scriptures. You've gotta diligently understand how Genesis and Exodus go together with Matthew and Mark. You can't just look at one thing here and just make it fit or apply wherever you want to do it. And the reason that we are together in a body of Christ is to help us do that. The reason that we try to preach messages and use sermon series and use teachers like Bill Johnson and John Bevere and Mark Batterson and Heath Adamson is because all of them are different styles and all of them have different upbringings and they bring something different to the table. And when we bring it to a table like this, we get a little bit more rounded view of the scripture so that we're not going off in one area or the other. We get dangerous when we start going off in one area. No, this is my mission. This is my calling. My mission is this. I gotta do this one thing. I gotta eradicate this one thing from the world. No, there's a full counsel of God's word that we have to understand. And we walk in it. And the reason that we do that is we walk together with other believers. The reason that we do that is to stay grounded in the truth of Christ's word. Paul says, I want you, I want you to understand these things. The mysteries that are hidden for us in Christ Jesus. And they're only going to come as we diligently persevere, as we diligently seek him. And as we do that, don't forget the two cautions. Stay united together with strong ties of love. And stay united. Rooted and grounded in Christ Jesus. So here's the question. Where are we? Where are we? Every one of us in this room today has either been, we are either becoming or are lazy and apathetic or we're diligent and persevering. Where are we? Are we just trying to maintain that which Christ has given us the knowledge of Jesus my salvation I just just maintain it till Jesus comes you know I mean I want to present my salvation to him or Are we saying no this is just the beginning There's so much more I mean how can I how can I get in the word more how can I understand more how can I walk in better relationship with people Remember our friend Simeon from last week Simeon was just and he was devout. He was in right relationship with God, right relationship with people. He was eagerly anticipating the Messiah, meaning he was diligently studying the scriptures that pointed to the Messiah. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit. You want to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God? You want to understand all of these things that are hidden in the word of God? Simeon is true for us today too to be just and devout, right relationship with God, right relationship with people, diligently studying the scriptures and being filled with the Holy Spirit regularly, daily, so that we understand the things he's hidden for us in his word. So Father, thank you for coming to this earth. Thank you for the things that you have hidden for us in your word. Thank you that you discipline those that you love. And so today, God, this word for us may be a warning. It may be a rebuke. Maybe if we have slipped into laziness and apathy, today you are coming and you are trying to correct and get us back on that path of diligently persevering, seeking after you. God, maybe today this is a word of encouragement to us. Maybe all around us, circumstances aren't working out like we thought or anticipated. Maybe we feel like the Apostle Paul today, uh, maybe not beaten as many times, but God, it feels like from every side, stuff is pressing in on us. And we still have have been diligently seeking you and diligently studying your word. And God, we're not becoming lazy, but maybe we were nearing the end. And today's word just breathes fresh life into us, that reminder that you're with us to the end of the age, that you have hidden for us things in your word that you want us to seek out and trust in. So Holy Spirit, continue to help us be diligent, Father, wherever we are in this journey, may you use your word today to correct us, to teach us, to train us, or to rebuke us. So that when you return, we can hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Father, I pray for every one of us today to hear your word and to hear the voice of your spirit as he applies it to our hearts and to our lives today. Seal it in our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, I encourage you, if you need some time, to just respond to the word. The altars are always open to you. I encourage you to find a place of prayer if you need to be dismissed. uh, Just do it quietly. Let this be a place of prayer for those that want to spend some time in prayer. God bless you as you go.